This is Holding Court with Patrick McEnroe. Now, here's Patrick McEnroe. All right, time for another edition of Holding Court, everyone. I am uh, extremely lucky to have this man join me. Uh, It's been a busy time for him. We know him in New York as the king. That's the one and only Henrik Lundqvist, longtime goalie for the New York Rangers, one of the greatest goalies in the history of the NHL. Now moving on. So us Ranger fans, Henrik, we're having a little hard time the last month digesting this information. But uh, tell me a little bit about how this happened and how it's materialized. That you'll, you'll now be playing for one of the Rangers' arch rivals, the Washington Capitals, starting in the next season. Yeah, uh, well, it's, uh, what can I say? The start, really, 15 years in New York. Unbelievable. Uh, so grateful for the, the the whole experience being part of the Rangers. It was a dream come true for me to be part of the Rangers, be part of New York City for such a long time. Uh, I think my vision, my dream was to to retire here. Really, that, that, that was the goal. Um, a couple of years ago, um, you know, we decided to, as an organization. Uh, started rebuild and, and things started happening and, and my role kind of changed a little bit over the last year and they were kind of ready to, to make, the, make the next step and, and some things are just out of your control and uh, I was, uh, I was uh, at a point in my career where you know do I hang it up here in, in New York or do I want to play more hockey and, and I had to dig deep and, and really came down to how much I love the game. I love to compete. I love to play hockey, being around the, the guys and, and, and the ultimate goal, obviously, to win the cup. And, and I just decided I, w- I want to continue. And then I was offered a great opportunity in Washington. And, and to come there, I'm, I'm, to be honest, really excited to join that team. Uh, older team, experienced team, like you mentioned, you know, it, We've been going up against them for mm-hmm. for many many years in the playoffs. Some some great series in the playoffs, and um, obviously, I spent a lot of time just getting used to not being part of the Rangers. And now I look forward to this challenge, being part of the the, the Caps. And and there's so many new things they're gonna, uh, you know. I I just see it as as a great experience, a journey for me and my family, really. And uh, it's been a lot last few weeks, last couple months even, but now I'm getting ready for next season mentally, physically, technically I'm on the ice and uh, I'm just looking forward to it. Well, not only, Henrik, are you on the ice, but uh, as I've learned uh, firsthand, one of your other things yeah. you do in the off season is play a lot of tennis, which of course is one of the reasons I really wanted to have it on my podcast. And you were lucky enough for me to agree to do it. So, you know, my brother for a long time and you supported him and his tennis Academy where I now work. And so you and I uh, met what, I guess it was right before you an- announced that you would sign with the caps and, uh, let me say this to my tennis fans, because that's mostly who listens to my podcast. I'll be, I'm sure there'll be some hockey fans now, too. You can play some serious ball on the tennis court. <laughs> so how did you learn to play tennis? I know your sister, as I, I studied a little bit about you, you know, your, your upbringing in Sweden, your sister was a really good junior tennis player, right? Is that how you got into it? Um, 
you're right. She, she was very good at tennis. Um, we grew up in a ski town up north in Sweden, but she loved tennis. My dad kind of coached her for a few years, and then we moved down south. You might have heard of Bostad. Yes, I have. Uh, great, great tennis tournament there right after Wimbledon. Yeah. Exactly. And they host the, the biggest kids' tennis tournament every year. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so we went there every summer for my sister to compete. And finally, we made a move as a family to, to live down there. So there was a lot of tennis around us. Uh, me and my twin brother, we, we played hockey and soccer, but my sister focused on tennis. But we definitely played some just because it was everywhere in that town. And, and obviously the big main tournament every summer was kind of the, main, the big focus of the town. Um, but growing up, yeah, I played a little bit, but I, I'm going to say the last 10 years, uh, mm-hmm. I spent more and more time on the tennis court. And for two reasons, I love the game. I love to compete the one-on-one. And also, I see it as great training for goalie. The way you move on the court is very similar to how I move on the ice. You're low, you're side-to-side, quick feet. Um, so, you know, when you can combine the fun and you also realize how, how much it helps you physically to prepare for hockey. You know, it's, it's a win-win for me. Well, so let me, let me, last, yeah, let me, yeah. let me break down Henrik, your tennis game, because you and I had a great session together and, you know, I like to teach. So I love, and I love it when I see someone like you, who's, who's, you know, and hasn't played as much tennis or hasn't grown up playing it. So I always try to, you know, give him tips. And so I'm, I'm sitting there trying to give you tips and you're being very kind and very polite. And then about 20 minutes or so into it, you're like, hey, uh, Patrick, you think you could run me around a little bit? You know, it's like, you were like, enough of this. Like, I need to get my workout in. So we started running you around. And the, the, the thing I did notice about you, obviously, is your incredible speed. But what was the, you remember the tip I gave you when you were moving into the forehand corner? What did I, what did I say to you? Do you remember that? For yeah, to get the ball up high, I try to go pretty flat sometimes. I think that's what we're talking about. We're talking about that. But, but here's the other thing we were talking about was that you're actually so fast that in some ways you move too fast out of the corner. So you hit the ball oh, yeah. and then you, you run you to the corner, you go. And of course, I'm thinking to myself, well, God, this guy's a goalie. Of course, he's going to have to move as quickly as, as, as possible, which you've done for your entire career. So it's sort of balancing that, which is obviously what you need to do when you're goaltending towards what you need to do on a tennis court. But obviously that side-to-side movement um, kind of correlates a little bit to what you do on the ice, right? Correct. And uh, yeah, I, I remember we were talking about that and, and really commit to every shot and not think so much about getting back to the middle before you really committed to that right. shot. But in my head, and it's kind of what I do on the ice as well, you come out to the side for a block, for example, or a save, mm-hmm. instantly you think about getting back to the middle. Right. And sometimes it, wor- it works against you when you don't commit to that shot 100%. And yeah, I remember we were talking no, about and I'm that. Glad, I'm glad that you were paying attention. Okay, now let me get back to <laughs> Henrik, To You said the, you know, in your first statement about retiring as a Ranger. Now it's obvious that your number will be retired. Number 30 will be retired. will be hanging in the rafters at Madison Square Garden. Whether you go to the Caps and win you know, two cups or maybe you go somewhere, who knows what happens. That is is a guarantee. And as a longtime New Yorker, you know this because you know my brother well, you know, there are certain names that, that are icons. You know, Tom Seaver, Willis Reed, Derek Jeter, Eli Manning, and Henrik Lundqvist is right there. 
I mean, that's what you have meant to New York. So I want to ask you, it, there's no way to predict this, right? But what will it mean to you when you come back, do you think, for that first game in Madison Square Garden wearing a Caps uniform? What do you think that's going to be like? Oof, I don't know. It, it will be different, that's for sure. Uh, but at the same time, we live in a world that's very different right now. Everything is kind of upside down, and I don't even know how it's going to look next season. Are we going to have fans in the building? It might be, you know, me coming back and there's just an empty building. You know, I, I don't know. <laughs> that's a good know. point. How, right, right. <laughs> I don't know how it's going to look, how it's going to feel. Uh, I think as we get closer to the season, because right now we don't know when it starts, um, but when we do, I think I will start spending more time to mentally just preparing for the season and the, the emotions of uh, obviously playing in the league, but also playing for a different team and, and the challenges that they're ahead. But to come back, I think uh, I'm going to be very open-minded to to how I'm going to feel. It's, it's going to be, you know, a lot of emotions. I know that for sure. It, it's been, you know, being part of the Rangers for so long. It's, it's uh, I have so many great memories. It's such a proud feeling thinking back of everything, all the people that helped me, supported me. Just the pride, you know, to be part of something for that long, something that special as the Rangers organization. It's, uh, it's, it, it meant so much during the 15 years, and it will mean something to me for the rest of my life. So I think every time I walk into that building, I'm going to feel something, that's for sure. Well, I can guarantee you as a longtime Ranger fan and a guy who used to go, you know, the big out outing for us growing up in, in Queens where we grew up was taking the train in where our dad would get us tickets to go to the Ranger game. So we used to sit in the blue section, you know, back in the day. And uh, those Ranger fans, I mean, they love you, Henrik. And it, let, I'm, I'm pretty sure that, that the retirement ceremony, we're going to wait till COVID's over. Okay, I mean, as far as retiring your number, obviously your career has to end. But as far as obviously next year, I mean, we've dealt with this in the tennis world, you know, not knowing, you know, when the tournaments are going to come back. And now, you know, how do you keep yourself sharp? I know you play tennis a couple times a week. What are the other things you do to keep yourself ready to get ready for the season? I mean, obviously, you've got a lot of experience doing this. You told me when we were hitting, you do tennis a couple times a week. You kind of know what you like to do in the offseason. You do more of your own thing, is what you told me, rather than sort of following the uh, protocol, which is what you have to do when you're part of the team, right? Correct. Yeah, I think right now is such a unique times or different times, whatever you want to call it, but to have the fall like this and I have two young kids and be around them in school, I never had that, you know. I've always been playing since the age of 12. It's been hockey, been part of a team and, and going to practice and play games this time of the year. And it's so different to not have that. But I think right now I'm trying to just focus on training hard but have fun and mm -hmm. not mentally commit to to next season because we don't know when it's going to start. So right now I'm just trying to enjoy myself. And that's why coming up to you guys, Randall's Island and play there a couple of times a week. I love it. It's so exciting and, and good training. And then I'm on the ice almost every day as well. So um, I try to enjoy it. I try to enjoy my time right now with the family and, and, and recharge and, 
and make sure my body is in, in good condition and working on technique. And then as we get closer, I brought it up earlier, but as we get closer, that's the time when I mentally start mm-hmm. to think about what that, you don't want to start too early. I think of with the mental aspect of, it because you want to, you know, make sure you're, you're at a hundred percent mentally excited and ready when it starts. And until we know when it starts, it's just, uh, you keep it on hold a little bit, but, uh, there's so many things physically and technically you can do right now. That's what I'm trying to do. Yeah, I'm interested to hear you talk about that, about technically things that you do. Are, there, are you talking about things specific for your, your, your goaltending style? What, what, what does that mean? What does you mean when you're working on technical things? Well, it's, you know, you can always do things better. You can be faster. You can be reading the play better. I think the game has changed so much. Uh, if you look at tennis, I think the same way, the power and the speed and everything changes over time. You know, I turned pro almost 20 years ago. I've been in New York for 15 years, and the game has changed. The, the position, how how you play as a goal, and the chances you see in front of you changed over time because the game changed. So you need to adjust to that. If you can't adjust to it, it's going to be hard to, to stay in it. So uh, I'm working on things that I didn't grow up doing because <laughs> back <laughs> right. then, you know, you know, late 90s, um, you played a different style. So over the years, you, you see all these young kids, they come up with great technique. Some of the things will work for me. Some things I understand will not work. So you try to adjust to it and, and pick the things that will work for my style. And then, um, you know, in practice, you work on it. And uh, after a time, it just becomes more natural. And, and same thing when you play tennis, when you teach me something on the court and, you know, you need to hit, a certain way for a while before it feels natural and, and it just happens. But it, it's going to, you know, you need the hours to get there before that happens. So what do you think it's going to be like, Henrik, now you know, teaming up? I mean, you're one of the great goalies of all time. Now you Caps obviously have a great team, but one of the greatest scorers of all time in Ovechkin. And I, I heard one of your interviews yeah, you, as you uh, announced that you were joining the Caps and sort of uh, – you know, talking about that experience, the experience of being against him, you know, multiple times in the Eastern Conference Finals, or you guys went at it, the Rangers and the Caps went at it, get overtime, you know, game sevens and so on. Uh, what's it going to be like now being in the same locker room with that guy? Well, I think it's just uh, inspiring. Every time you get an opportunity to play with the great, there's so much you can learn and, and um, I look forward to that. I had an opportunity here in New York to play with some of the best players of the game. You know, 15 years ago, as a rookie, I got an opportunity to play with Jogger. You mm-hmm. know, that whole experience, just to see how they approach the game, what they do to prepare. Even though we have different positions, when it comes down to performance and, and preparing, it, that doesn't change in how they practice or whatever it might be. So I look forward to that. And they have so many talented players. They bring in a great coach. You can learn from, I always say that every time you get an opportunity to, to play for a new coach, it's going to be a different angle. It's going to be a different mindset maybe. And, and you can learn so much. I, I look forward to that. I, I try to stay very open when it comes to learning new things and how you approach things. I find it kind of ironic, Henrik, that you your family moved. I want to just get back into this just a little bit for your sister's tennis because Bussad 
is, um, as you said, in the southern part of Sweden. Obviously, it's cold there in the in the winter time, as it is in all, all of Sweden. Yep. But as a, how old were you when that happened? And were you you had a, your your twin brother? You guys played hockey and 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 so on. As you said, soccer together. But was that like, hey, what about us? Like, you know, are we? <laughs> but I guess you could play hockey anywhere, right? So it didn't. You know, how did it affect you as a young kid? And how did you adjust to that, um, you know, moving to a different part of the country and then it's having to, you know, refine your hockey club or, you know, whatever it was you did to uh, become one of the greatest hockey players of all time? Like, obviously, you didn't know that at that age, but what was that like transitioning to a different part of the country? Well, uh, because we spent so many summers there uh, on vacations, we, we kind of knew the town. So we were we played a lot of soccer and we played hockey and we knew the opportunity to play good soccer and hockey actually was, was great down there. So I think the entire family was really excited to, to make this move and, and try something new. Um, my dad actually, he ran the ski instructor company up in, in Aria, which is the biggest ski town in Sweden. So it was a big move for everyone. You know, he went from running the ski operations up there to something completely different and as a family and always is all about sports growing up my Mm -hmm. sister all about tennis and my brother and me was all about hockey and soccer and moving to boston it was actually great opportunities for all three so i think thinking back of that time i think all three of us kids were so grateful for that support we we received from our family from our parents you know, it was not that they were pushing us to work harder or accomplish anything. They were just there, you know, driving us to practice and watch games. But never, ever did they say, you need to do better or work harder. It was like that was coming from within, from, you know, that eager to get better as, as a player. Um, and I think as a, having a twin brother as well, I think we inspired each other to work really hard. Same with our sister. Obviously, you had so many amazing, great runs with the Rangers, getting to the Stanley Cup Finals, getting to the Conference Finals multiple times. What was it like representing Sweden? You know, it's, I've been there many times. We know the history of tennis in Sweden and my brother's relationship to that. Bjorn Borg, still one of his great buddies. Um, but leading the, the team in Sweden to the gold medal, as you did um, in, in, the, in well, I think it was 2006, uh, what did it mean, number one, just to be able to represent your country and then to lead the team to the gold? Well, growing up, the only time I watched hockey on TV was when the national team played. That, that's how I fell in love with, with hockey, watching our biggest stars play for Team Sweden at World Championships uh, mostly. Uh, and then... You know, when you start to get up uh, around 17, 18, you play for the junior national team. That was a big thing. And then a few years later, you play for the for the big national team. And it was just a dream come true. And then things started to happen pretty quickly. That year, I moved to New York. My first year here it was an Olympic year. And I got an opportunity to play for Sweden at the Olympics in Torino with some of the best players that I grew up idolizing, mm. Forsberg and Sandin and Lidstrom. And it was just a surreal moment for me. And to win it, obviously, was something I'll never forget. And then I, I played a lot of tournaments for Team Sweden. And it's just such a pride, you know, putting that jersey on 
the three crowns. It, it means a lot. And I think it goes back to as a five-year-old watching it on TV and, and just that's when I start to dream about playing hockey and, be, you know, be a professional hockey player. That's where it all started. And, so here, and here you are. Lo- uh, yeah. Here you are, at thirty-eight, still going strong. All right. Before I let you go, and I appreciate you so much doing this. Um, who's your favorite tennis player to watch? McEnroe's well, not I'm, included. You can't say McEnroe's. Okay. <laughs> we don't want John to find out about this. Okay. <laughs> well, uh, I gotta go with Roger. Um, so. For years, I've been going and watching the U.S. Open. I've been to Wimbledon a bunch. And, and just the way he plays the game, it just looks very effortless. Uh, and over the years, I also got an opportunity to know Roger. And uh, we actually have the same agent. So uh, that that was great. Just getting an opportunity to, to talk to him about different things. And, and uh, I'm just a big fan. How, how he plays the game, but also how he approaches a lot of different things outside the game um so it's been great just to watch him and and uh, and just see how he competes well yeah he's my favorite i think there's a reason why your nickname was the king larry brooks of course who's a long great writer for the new york post who's covered rangers and hockey forever um, gave you that name, and he gave it to you for a lot more than what you do on the ice because of the way you conduct yourself, um, you know, what you do, what you did for the city in New York, what you did for the charitable work you've done, including, as I mentioned earlier, you know, helping out my brother and myself at the tennis academy, and that's why you're the king. Not You know, you're unbelievable. <laughs> you're unbelievable goalie. We know that. You won the... Vesna Trophy a couple of times and all you do on the ice, but it's because of that you you've got that similar quality that Mr. Federer has. You know, you're an ambassador mm-hmm. for your game and your sport, and I can tell you that um, there are going to be a lot of uh, eyes watering when you come back to New York and come back in into that Madison Square Garden, whether it's when you retire when you retire. Or before then, let's hope there's fans back. There's going to be a lot of tears in that uh, arena for all for you, the man. Okay, for what you've done. <laughs> Thank you. I really appreciate it. I really do. And good luck. And um, we we got some work to do. I just want you to know we got to clean up those volleys a little bit. Okay. Oh yeah, yeah. That's, <laughs> that's very high on my on my list. Because I told I'll, you, I I'll said, I, yeah, I said about forty five minutes through our hour. I said, Henry, you got to come up and hit a couple of volleys. You're like, um, do I have to? <laughs> <laughs> All right. I actually, uh, a couple of weeks ago, I was back in Sweden and I, I was hitting with Bjorkman. Oh yeah, Bjorkman. Wow. He's, he's solid. He's a good vol- solid volley guy as well. But I, I told him the same thing. I'd rather stay back because my ball stinks. But. Let's let's work on it. I'll be up here. We'll look forward up to it. And, and thank and, Yep. And thanks again for doing this. And uh, we'll see you. We'll see you on the courts. Okay. Thanks a lot, Patrick. You got it. The great yeah. Henrik Lundqvist, everybody. Holding court with Patrick McEnroe is powered by Mudhouse Media.